Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is John Dockham. I serve in the chancel choir as a bass and in the Christmas Cantori Choir. Let us now prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads for the prayer of invocation. In the security of your love, mighty God, it is well with us. Our work is fulfilling. Our relationships reflect your faithfulness. And our ability to trust is strengthened. We are here seeking an extra measure of reassurance, the restoration of our best selves, and the clarification of our responsibilities. You are the builder in whose hands the church can become a community of joy and fulfillment. You keep watch over us, strengthening us to be the church wherever we live and serve. Be known to us now. Save all who eagerly await your word. Amen. Let us praise God through our worship.
please stand for the call to worship. best, we long to be people whose words and deeds are a reflection of the truth within us. We want to be free of pretense and alive to the wonders we encounter in other people and in all of God's creation. God is ready to cleanse us and heal us as we confess our sin. All wise God, you know how much we enjoy being honored above others and how often we resent the special respect others receive. You are aware of the shortcuts we take for our own advantage. You see the ways we pretend to me more than we are. You observe not only our actions, but our motives as well. We need your help to put away all that is false and to discover our true identity as your children. Lift us up in your forgiving love, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Those who truly repent of the lies they have lived are welcomed as next of kin by Jesus Christ. The authentic, self-giving spirit of the one who is fully human is ours to embrace. The witness of a life lived for the common good inspires us to rise up to the best we can be. We are forgiven and freed of the burden of our sin. 
Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Let us affirm what we believe by saying together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So now I'll invite the children to come forward and we all have the opportunity to take a few minutes and share the peace of Christ with one another. What's the name of your frog? It's a turtle. A turtle, that's true, you're right. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, young people. How are you? So, how about raise your hand if you ate breakfast? You are good population. Thank you. Do you know today is a very special day? Does anybody know what makes today special? It's called All Saints Sunday. Not exactly today. And so, what are saints? Does anybody know who saints are? Okay, Abby, what, what are the saints? Uh, saints are people that believe in Jesus Christ. 
you're right, saints are people who believe in Jesus Christ. Do you want to say something? No. You agree with Abby. So you are absolutely right. Abby just did my children's sermon. And so there are saints that are, who lived here and are now gone and living with God in heaven. So can you guess who this might be? Saint who? Jesus, and what's the lady? Mary? Saint Mary, Jesus' mother, and this guy, what's his name? Does anybody know? God? No, it's Saint, it starts with P. Anybody knows? Saint Peter, and you are going to know some many saints in a little bit. Don't worry. Who is this? Saint Teresa. So we have, does anybody know a saint who loves animals? Saint Francis. And so just like Abby said, saints are people, what did you say Abby again? Saints are people who, who believe in Jesus Christ. How many of you believe in Jesus Christ? So all the people who believe in Jesus Christ are saints. So that means there are a lot of people who are saints among us. Do you want to see their faces and what they look like? Yes, yes. Look in here. What do you see? Do you see? Do you see the saints that are still living among us? And everybody who believed in Jesus Christ and who call on Jesus they are saints, and over there, over here, and all of you. So we are all included in the saints by God because he loves us always. Let's pray. Please repeat after me. Dear God, Dear God thank you for loving us all the time. Thank you for loving us all the time. Teach us to know how to love you back. Teach us to know and thank you for including us among your saints. And thank you for including us among your saints. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now you may go with Miss Carol. Thank you very much. see actually a couple of Michigan State fans here today. That, I'm not sure that's pretty amazing. Um, but it is so good to be together and to uh, worship together and to know that God is in our midst. We hope that you will find this to be a place of warmth and welcome as we seek to be uh, the people of God together. A couple of things that we'd like to call to your attention. Wednesday's a big day. Uh, we've got lots of things going on. We first of all have our noontime concert over in the chapel, preceded by lunch at 1145 and then a concert at 
uh, at uh, 12.30, so we would love for you to join us for that, and it's going to be a wonderful musical presentation. Information about that is in your bulletin. And then later that day at uh, 7 o'clock, we have our annual Rise Against Hunger, which is the opportunity for you to gather together with a whole bunch of other folks here in our congregation to be about the effort. I think we said that we're going to try to pack 15 thousand meals over the course of an hour. It's really quite an amazing thing to witness. So if you'd like to come and join us for that, that's seven o'clock this Wednesday evening. And then if you can believe it, three weeks from today is the beginning of Advent. And uh, I'm not ready. I don't know if you are, so but you will help us to get ready by helping us with bell ringing for the Salvation Army, which is a great opportunity for us to be a witness in the community. We, we're right up at Publix and uh, Beniva on and. Um, what is that? Beneva and Bee Ridge, yes. Um, so come and join us for that. We would love to have you sign up on the website. You can find it. And uh, we really uh, enjoy doing that. And we hope that you'll enjoy doing that with us as well. As well as you can sign up for the Angel Tree program where you can support a family that's being supported by the Salvation Army. Again, take a note of that in our website. We would love to have you join us for that. And then next Sunday, we are looking forward to homecoming and our video people put together a little video featuring some old man talking about his childhood. So would you please take a look? The memory that first comes to mind always is uh, dinner time. I came from a pretty traditional home. So we always ate at six o'clock. We all came back together to tell the stories of our days and to get reoriented to the fact that we were a family. When I come to Church of the Palms, I feel like I am not coming to a campus or a building, but I am reconnecting with the family of God. It's what's made this COVID time such a challenging time. I think of the table uh, of God, the, the table of the Lord's Supper, and how we're all called together to be at the table. I think of the love that we know in Jesus Christ and the love that we experience when we are uh, coming home. Maybe there's not been a more significant homecoming for Church of the Palms than, than this particular year when we invite people to come back and reconnect with those things that I'm guessing that they have missed. Some of the great traditional old time hymns and songs, hearing a good laugh or having a handshake or getting a hug from somebody, all those things are irreplaceable. So I know many are looking forward to experiencing those things once again. Told you it was an old man. Uh, next Sunday, Homecoming Sunday, a great opportunity for the people of God to be gathered back together again. As I've said before, there's no perhaps precious time for us than right now when we get the chance to reconnect with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We hope that you will take it also as an opportunity to invite someone you haven't yet had a chance to see since we've been returning little by little uh, from our COVID experience. We're going to be handing out to you little postcards that you can take with you, and it may be a way by which you can pass on the word to somebody that you know to come and join us next Sunday. We're gonna enjoy some wonderful worship. We're gonna dedicate a new Ebenezer out in the courtyard. We're gonna to be together in fellowship. We're gonna enjoy some good food. It's just gonna be a wonderful time. So we hope that you'll make sure to put that on your calendar and that you will join us along with your friends next Sunday. 
We also have inside your bulletin a little insert, a little brochure that uh, features a great opportunity for all of us to be a part of, which is to be a part of a society that is uh, grateful to be able to permanently provide for the ongoing ministry of Church of the Palms. Uh, it's our legacy society. There's information about that in your bulletin. But a great deal of those funds that come from the legacy society go toward the ministry of the foundation of Church of the Palms. So I'm going to invite Chris Bond to come forward, and he is going to share with us. Ah, I see the microphone didn't. Oh, there it is. Ah, I just, my heart skipped a beat. So um, Chris is going to share with us. Chris is the president of the Foundation of the Church of the Palms, and it is through the foundation that so many of our ministries are supported. Good morning. Um, you know who I am. Uh, what I am at the moment is the president of the foundation. And is on this All Saints Sunday, as we observe, right to your mouth. reflect, and remember, we also remember previous generations who have so thankfully provided the funds and support of the foundation for the Church of the Palms. And it's the foundation that I want to talk to you today about. The foundation was proposed in February 1983 at a February 1983 session meeting. Articles of incorporation were adopted in October of 1983. And in November 1983, actually November 7, 1983, qualifying the foundation as a 501c3 tax-exempt organization. That is eight months. That, my understanding of Presbyterian world, that is hypersonic speed. Today we celebrate the foundation for its 38 years of service to the Church of the Palms for honoring the legacy, advancing the mission. Since the beginning and continuing to this day, the purpose of the foundation is to receive gifts of money and or property from members and friends of the church during their lifetime or upon their death to enhance the welfare, effectiveness of the church and to utilize these gifts for general mission benevolences, capital improvements for the Church of the Palms, and endowment to provide other financial support for the Church of the Palms. Neither the principal nor the interest earned shall be used for current operating expenses of the church. The foundation is governed by a seven-member board of directors, four of whom are elected by the session and three by the foundation. The current board is made up of Andrea Jackson, Marlene Petro, Andrew McFall, Matthew Strabe, David West, Bill Reynolds, and myself. With the resources so generously provided by members, either directly or through their estate plans, and carefully invested by the board of directors with the assistance of professional financial managers and an approved investment policy, the foundation has been able to distribute over $5.5 million since inception. A brief summary of the, foundation, of the projects the foundation has funded. The first grant was funds to purchase the Downs property, which is the property to the south, and upon which this sanctuary sits and, and the Palm Center. We've provided funds for the improvements to all campus buildings, including the Campus Center, Educational Building, Music Building, Administration Building, funding for the establishment of the Contemporary Service, TV Ministry, Media Ministry, and recently, Digital Ministry for Streaming Services and Programs. New organ for the sanctuary, ECC Palms Preschool, 
playground, Samaritan Counseling Services funds, Habitat for Humanity, Honduras Eye Clinic, Hassat Church Ministry in Turkey, Immokalee Fair Housing Project, Presbytery New Church Development, Eckert Collard Scholarship, Princeton Theological Seminary, Cedar Kirk Day of Hope, Advanced Theological Education for Staff for Laurie Haas, Sarah Sobolewski, Genevieve Beauchamp, Faith and Society Community Speaker Series, Michael Gerson, Father Boyle, and the list goes on. The foundation would not exist and could not support the church without the vision and generosity of its donors past and present. We are humbled in the knowledge that these gifts were given not knowing exactly how they would be used, but with great faith that future leaders would use great care in assuring uses to support the Church of the Palms by honoring the legacy, advancing the mission to love God, love neighbor. In 1999, the Legacy Society was created to recognize and celebrate members who either made a gift or indicated a future gift as part of their estate planning. Members are recognized with an annual appreciation luncheon and by recognition on the legacy tree in the narthex. There's a pamphlet in your bulletin with information on joining the Legacy Society. As you consider this opportunity to join others in providing for the future of the church and its mission, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 offers this. Each of you must give as you have made up your own mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves cheerful givers. Following the service, I will be available outside in the courtyard if you're interested in additional information. Thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. And uh, in that brochure, you'll see there's a little tear-off. If you'd like to learn more about the Legacy Society or about the foundation, uh, not only can you just go out to the table to visit with Chris and Linda Calvert, but also uh, you would like to, if you'd like to drop off that little uh, tear-off into one of the baskets on your way out, then we will be glad to follow up with you. Also in your bulletin, you will see another insert called All Saints Sunday. And this provides us the opportunity to, for a moment, remember those who have gone before us in this life and have received their eternal reward. The saints that Mengi was talking about who have uh, died in the faith and have come into full communion with God. And so as we do every year on the first Sunday of the month, All Saints Sunday, we pause to remember them. So will you please join with me in the litany for all saints as printed in your bulletin. We remember the great ancestors of our faith from Abraham and Sarah to Paul and Phoebe. We remember the prophets and priests, the ministers and teachers who have taught us the way of God. We remember our grandparents and parents, aunts and uncles, those who have gone before us in our lifetime. We lift up the memories of children and grandchildren, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives and parents whose lives ended too soon. And we lift up to you, O oh God, the names of those that we have gathered over these weeks, those that we have loved, those who are mem members of our family, those who are friends, who have, we have lost this year from our lives, knowing that they are with your heart forever. 
celebrate the lives of those we have remembered, O God, and lift up many more names in our hearts. We give thanks, O God, for all who have gone on to join with you beyond this life. We trust in the hope of resurrection and the promise of new life in Christ. And know that in our grief and celebration, O God, you are with us through it all, and we are not left alone. In the name of Christ, in whom love lives forever, we pray. Amen. Every day, God blesses us with uncountable blessings in many different kinds, including the saints that we remember in our hearts and including the gift of memory. Today, I invite us to count God's blessings to us by way of giving our tithings and offerings to God. We say, thank you, God, and there are baskets at the doors, and also on page 12, there are three more ways to give thanks to God through our offerings. has been broken. 
Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you were rich, yet for our sake you became poor, so that through your poverty we might become rich. Accept this offering as a token of our gratitude for all you have done. Amen. You may be seated. The scripture I'm about to read is the end of a story, the beginning of which Pastor Lori read and preached upon last week. The story is the story of Ruth, and last week we learned about this immigrant family, Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons. Famine had descended upon the region of Judah, and Elimelech and Naomi and family, in order to survive, pulled up stakes and as refugees immigrated to Moab, a region about seven to ten days travel east and south of Bethlehem, their hometown. In Moab, Elimelech and Naomi's sons, Malan and Kilian, met and married two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. As fate would have it, all the men of this growing family die, and the three now childless women of different race and culture are left now to fend for themselves. Last week we heard about the beautiful story of Moabite Ruth's hesed faithfulness to her Israelite mother-in-law and her commitment to return with Naomi to Naomi's land, sort of a reverse immigration. Women at that time, of course, were given no agency to control their lives. It all had to do with attaching yourself to a man. So in order to survive now in Bethlehem, Ruth goes to the fields to harvest the crops, and she meanders into the field of a man named Boaz, a distant relative of Naomi. Long story short, Naomi goes to bed with Boaz, which spurs Boaz to seek a way to for the two of them to be married, and to be married would be pleasing to Boaz, and it would offer Ruth and Naomi the security for which they had been most desperate. Boaz gets the permission he needs to marry Ruth, and now our first lesson is how the story ends. Hear the word of God. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without next of kin, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed, and he became the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now, these are the descendants of Perez. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. Our second lesson is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning at the third verse. Paul writes and says, For I handed on to you as of first importance what I in turn have received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the, then to the twelve. 
Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. Early this week at our monthly staff worship time, it so happened to be November the 1st, All Saints Day, the day that immediately follows Halloween and in many respects has been eclipsed by Halloween. Hard to find anything about All Saints Day at the local party and costume store. As regards to the history of Holy Days and Holidays, All Saints Day, of course, long precedes Halloween and for many has been long forgotten. And yet there may not be a more significant day in our lives than a day that gives us the chance to remember the saints that have preceded us, especially those in our lives, in our past, who have been our forebears, those from whom we have stemmed. So we began our worship last Monday on All Saints Day underneath the big oak tree with long limbering branches over our heads and crackly acorns under our feet. And we took a moment to remember our own family trees, the lineage of our lives, the saints and sinners who hang from our branches, crazy cousin Ralph, eccentric Uncle Fester, sweet grandmother Lucy, and sister Mary who died too young. We all have a family tree, and each of our trees are filled with all sorts of characters, characters who genetically and otherwise have made us into who we are. So in our staff worshiping time, each of us was asked to think of one member of our family, one member of our family tree for whom on that day, All Saints Day, we wanted to give thanks. So we did. We each took a turn and gave thanks for one member of our family tree. And when it was my turn, I gave thanks for my great-grandfather, James McMillan McConnell, a man I never met, a man of whom I know precious little, just that he was born in 1850, lived in Ohio and Illinois, was the father of six children, one of whom was my grandfather, and that he was a Presbyterian pastor, as was his son, as were his grandsons, my father and uncle, as were his great-grandsons, my two brothers and me. That's about all I know about James McMillan McConnell, except that he had the wisdom to marry a woman named Amanda, which turned out to be the best decision I ever made, marrying a woman named Amanda. So, of all the branches of my family tree, why James McMillan McConnell? Well, I suppose one of the reasons is his story, his 
unknown story. I don't know his story. I don't know what kind of guy he was. I don't know what churches he served. I don't know how much time he spent with his children. I don't know what made him immigrate from Ohio to Illinois, back to Ohio, back to Illinois. And what I especially don't know is what was it that rubbed off of James McMillan McConnell onto one of his sons such that he decided to follow in his father's footsteps? What rubbed off. Something had to have rubbed off. That's what happens in families, right? We rub off on each other, sometimes for good, sometimes for not so good. But we all have a way of rubbing off. We all have a way of influencing and shaping the limbs of our tree. My daughter never met my mother. One left the world five months before one entered the world. Two of the three most important women in my life never met each other, but it doesn't mean that the one has not rubbed off onto the other. Something has been passed down, genetics and values and memories and personality and mannerisms, you name it. We all have a way of rubbing off onto the generations that follow. So lo and behold, the Bible tells us the story of Ruth. And it's not until you get to the end of the story of Ruth that you understand why the story of Ruth ends up in the Bible. And the answer to why the story of Ruth ends up in the Bible gets revealed right at the end when we're told that Ruth is a part of a family tree. Oh, and did you know that Ruth, a foreign immigrant Moabite refugee, did you know that she was the mother of Obed? Oh, and, and did you know that Obed was the father of Jesse? Oh, and did you know that Jesse was the father of David? You know, David, the great king of Israel. Did you know that David's great-grandmother was a foreign immigrant Moabite Hesed faithful refugee who got bounced from land to land, who gave up her country, gave up her God, and became the great-grandmother to a king? I love the Bible for telling us this, telling us the story of Ruth. Didn't have to tell us the story of Ruth. The whole story could have been about David, but no, no. It's important, the Bible says, that we hear about Ruth because the truth is that Ruth, like the rest of us, rubbed off this loyal, loving, stick-with-you-through-thick-and-thin woman rubbed off onto her boy, who rubbed off onto his boy, who rubbed off onto his boy, and a kingdom arose. So on this All Saints Sunday, we pause and we look up into our trees and we see the characters and with some we remember their stories and with others we don't. But the truth is we've been rubbed off upon. And the good book would wonder, how has the good Lord been about this rubbing? There are all these stories in our past which have secretly served as the beginnings of our story, the sinners and the saints who have preceded us and made us into who we are. 
When the Apostle Paul at one point tells his own tale, he, he tells the good of it and he tells the bad of it. Student of the law, graduate of the finest school, zealot of the faith, conspirator to murder, arrogant theologian, knocked off his horse by a blinding light, gracelessly rescued and baptized, and taught once again a brand new school of thought. And along the way, all sorts of rubbings by all sorts of people. And the Apostle says, at the end of, end of of it all, by God's grace, I am what I am. I am what I am. And I pray his grace toward me will not be in vain. Two things there. By God's grace, I am what I am. And then second, I pray that his grace toward me will not be in vain. And don't you wonder about that when you look up into your family tree that, that through the cast of crazy characters that have made up my life, all the rubbings that have rubbed off, that by God's grace, I am what I am. That there's a peace and there's an acceptance that comes with that statement that by the grace of God, I am what I am. Would you have wanted the tree to be different? Maybe so, but it is what it is, and you are what you are. <laughs> and by God's grace, you've come this far. And then there's the second part. There's this prayer. The prayer that the grace which has brought me thus far will not have been in vain which is another way of saying, as much as I've been rubbed upon, what rubbing am I doing upon others? How am I rubbing off? What a thing to wonder about on All Saints Sunday. How am I rubbing off? How am I making a difference in someone's life? What, what, what from me is being passed down? What kings and queens are in formation from my life? You know, I think the temptation in life is to think mostly of preserving yourself. How do I hold on to what is mine? How do I hold on to my assets? How do I hold on to my reputation? How do I hold on to my money? How do I hold on to my position? How do I hold on to my opinions? When it seems that the Bible wants to remind us over and over and over again that it's what rubs off that counts. Thank God dear Ruth did not consider holding on to her homeland, holding on to her past. Instead, she rubbed off onto her mother and to her son, and that was just the beginning of the story. Makes me think of Marjorie Williams' classic children's tale, The Velveteen Rabbit, which she, in which she tells the tale of a nursery toy, a velveteen rabbit who becomes the beloved toy of a little boy. And early in the story, the velveteen rabbit has a conversation with another toy in the nursery, the skin horse. The, the skin horse is one of those old stuffed animals that's been passed down from generation to generation, so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath and most of the hairs in his tail had been pulled out rubbed off, if you please. 
Williams relays the conversation this way. What is real, asked the velveteen rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you in a stick out handle? Oh, real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you when a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you. Oh, then you become real. Does it hurt, asked the rabbit. Sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, though, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up, he asked, or bit by bit? Oh, it doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become, it takes a long time. That's why it doesn't happen often to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. The boy's uncle made me real. That was a great many years ago. But once you're real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts for always. Once you're real, once you've rubbed off, you can't become unreal. You can't unrub which would mean that today and tomorrow and the next day are the opportunities we have to wonder how we're rubbing, how we're, what we're leaving behind, what place we have on our tree, what's our legacy, what do we want to make sure rubs off on those who follow, what fruit do we pray others will find on our branches. Which makes me think of another classic children's book, this is as sophisticated as I get when it comes to literature. The children's book written by Shel Silverstein, The Giving Tree, about the tree that loves the little boy so much that he doesn't think twice about giving away first his apples for the boy to make some money, then his branches for the boy to make a house, then his trunk for the boy to build a boat, and then finally as a stump for the boy, now an old man to use as a place to sit. And with every act of giving, the tree is very happy. And with every bit of his being rubbed off, is given another chance to be real. So we give thanks, don't we, for all the saints who from their labors rest, for all the fruit hung upon our tree, for all the rubbings that have rubbed off. For we are what we are, and we pray, most fervently we pray, that his grace toward us will not be in vain, or immigrant, foreigner, refugee, and Hesed faithful Ruth named her son Obed, and Obed became the father of Jesse, and Jesse became the father of a king.
Friends, by grace we are what we are. By grace we have come thus far. By grace we have been invited to this table to find here God's perpetual grace, to find here the feast of forgiveness and love, to find here the Holy Spirit who is present, who wishes to fill us such that we might become a legacy for the world. So come, my friends, and discover here the God who wishes to join you and meet you and take you into the world that we truly may become the people of God and the legacy of Jesus Christ. In the night of his arrest, our Lord Jesus took bread. After giving thanks to God, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Take, eat in remembrance of me. After supper, Jesus also took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant sealed in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. So friends, every time we eat this bread and we drink of this cup, we proclaim the death of our risen Lord until he comes again and he will come again. Let us pray. We give our thanks and praise to you, the God of Abraham and Sarah, Miriam and Moses, Joshua, Deborah, Ruth, David, priests, prophets, Mary, Joseph, apostles, martyrs, God of our mothers and fathers and our children to all generations. For you, everlasting one who made us all, you fashion us into one people and continue to love us even when we deny our ancestry. You continue to call us home to you through saints dedicated to your will. Spirit of the living God, make us one as we partake of these, your gifts to us, so we might be in communion with you and one another. We ask as we break this bread together, may our eyes be opened to see your glory shining through all the saints of all the time past. As we lift the cup of salvation, may we be strengthened to follow your way, justice, peace, and harmony in Christ Jesus our Lord. Gracious God, we lift up all those who are in need of your special care, healing, comfort, and protection this day. Until Christ comes in final victory and we feast together at God's great family reunion with all the saints, keep your church one in service to the world here and now. Work with who we are and where we are to form these clay pots into vessels of living praise that our lives may participate in the same unending song of the universe raised by all the saints. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus who taught us to pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil 
for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We all have these bags of communion. So this is the gift of God for the people of God. Let us partake the communion. Let us pray. We praise you, O God, for this heavenly banquet that you have so freely given us. Thank you that we carry in our hearts the riches of this eternal goodness. May we pour it out wherever we go, lighting up the darkness with truth, speaking out hope where there is despair, and weaving your unconditional love into all we do. Send us now in the power and strength of the Holy Spirit. May we live to be all that you have destined us to be. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.